It's always a blessing to be in the Lord's house. And as we have gathered this afternoon, before we open the word, let's turn to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Gracious and loving, merciful Father in heaven, we come to thee in this afternoon hour thanking thee for the opportunity that thou hast given to us one more time in this day to gather around thy word. We thank thee, Lord, that thy word is alive, it is power, it is truth to all who would avail themselves to, who would read it, understand it, and apply it to their very lives. And so we thank thee, dear Heavenly Father, for gathering us together and ask, Lord, that thou would speak to us. We know, Lord, that there are many distractions that we could have at this time. And we know, Lord, that even our enemy, Satan, is trying to distract us in any way to be able to snatch away the, the truths and the word that would be, the, the seed that would be sown. But yet, Lord, we ask that thou wouldst give to us the grace to be able to hear and understand, and that we would have a heart full of desire to know more about thee. We pray, Father, that thou wouldst be with him who would speak in this afternoon and that the power of thy word would not be hindered by his weakness. And so we pray, Lord, that as we would open thy word, bless us, provide for us, and keep us in thy grace. For we ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. With the help of the Lord for our afternoon service and meditation, the Lord has placed on my heart to read from the first chapter of the book of Hebrews. Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, chapter number one. And as we read chapter one, I will also read into chapter two as well, with God's help. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high." being made so much better than the angels as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he saith, And let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels he saith, Who maketh his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire? But unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. And thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thine hands. They shall perish, but thou remainest And they all shall wax old as doth a garment. And as a vesture shalt thou fold them up, and they shall be changed. 
but thou art the same, and thy years shall not fail. But to which of the angels said he at any time, sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. For unto the angels hath he not put in subjection the world to come whereof we speak. But one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him? Thou madest him a little lower than the angels, thou crownest him with glory and honor, and just set him over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. For it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the church, and will I sing praise unto thee. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children which God hath given me, for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through the death, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and a faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. I've read Hebrews chapters 1 and 2. May God bless his word. Dear ones, the book of Hebrews The letter to the Hebrews is one that is attributed very much to the writings of the Apostle Paul, although his name is not mentioned in the book. And it is a little bit of a a different letter, so to speak, as the Apostle Paul was writing primarily and focusing on the, the Jewish believers who are now of the church maybe a little bit different than some of the other letters that were written to the other churches, Corinthians, Colossae, Ephesians, more so that those churches 
the other, of, of the other letters that were mentioned, many of them were mostly, primarily um, consisted of Gentiles. And they were new churches. They were, you know, possibly only 20 or 30 years since the Apostle Paul or since the, the various apostles or, or, or those who would have um, started, the, fathered those churches, they would have come into existence. Whereas the Apostle Paul here in the book of Hebrews was writing to a group of people whose generations were well-versed in knowing God. They were well-versed in, in understanding God's ways and understanding God's natures and, and understanding God's nature as over time they would have, if they would have looked into the law and the prophets, even as we read that in sundry at, at the beginning, God spoke to God spoke to man in times past through the fathers, through the prophets, and through the law that was given through Moses, and through the prophets that spoke, and through the various judges during their times, and even those who were righteous kings who followed, followed the word of God, the people, as they were able to read and to listen and to, to hear of God's word, they would know about him. And so the Apostle Paul, in this letter, wanted to spend time to, to validate or to, to prove and to, to, to go into great detail of, of the gospel of Jesus Christ and how it related to those things that, that the Jews, that the children of Israel would have learned from their forefathers through the Old Testament teachings. To the, the Apostle Paul wanted to, to, to clearly spell out, in, in a sense, the, the words of Jesus Christ where he said that I do not come to, to condemn the law, but he came to fulfill it. And so if we would read through these chapters... And we would read through the, the, the many explanations. The apostle goes into great detail of explaining to the Jewish believers of who Christ was, who he is, and how he was the one who was able to be that high priest for them, the one who could give redemption, the one who would be that supreme sacrifice for the sin of mankind. And many of his explanations, I, I'll be honest with you, are even difficult for me to understand because he goes into great detail. And if there was anyone that could have explained it in detail of, of, of the details and, and, and the, fine, the fine teachings of, of the law, it would have been the Apostle Paul and to be able to relate that to the gospel of Jesus Christ, how he came to this world to be that, ulti that ultimate Lamb of God. But as he goes and explains in these first couple chapters that, that we have read, I in a sense, he was setting down the framework, the basis of who Christ is. Before he could get into many of the other details of explaining, you know, how he fit the, the, 
the description of the high priest and how, and, how, and how all these things fall into place as we would read further on. He had to lay down the foundation or, 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 or the, the, the base, the, the framework of who Jesus is. And we read here, first of all, of Jesus, the only begotten Son of God and his glory, of his eternal existence, where it says that he, he is the brightness of God's glory. He was the Im- express image of his person. We read here that he was the one that laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of his hands. He was the one, if we read, I believe it's in Colossians, where, where he created all things, and by him, by Jesus Christ, all things consist. All things are held together by him. And as he is in all brightness and in all power and in all glory, and as he did, as he created the world and as he created all things, we realize, loved ones, how small we are compared to how great he is. And we can look around us in this world and we could see that, that, that mankind has come a long way with, with knowledge, with, with intellect, with, with inventions, with, with things, even now, even year by year, as we would look at, at our culture and, and the life that we live compared to even five years ago, ten years ago, let alone in our parents' or grandparents' generation of how, of how far we've come and how great we've become as mankind. We realize that we're so small and that we are nothing before God. And we are nothing before Jesus Christ. And that it's, and it comes and that's proven and it comes into, into great perspective when we read, as, as we read in, in verse 11, that, that well, we read in verse 10, where he created the foundation of the earth, where the heavens are uh, the work of his hands, but they all shall perish. Everything in this world, the philosophies, the intellect, the, the, the technology, everything that there will be in this lot, that, that there is in this life, that mankind esteems themselves so high and great, they shall perish and shall wax old as doth a garment. And I love how the, how the writer here says it so vividly, where he says, And as a vesture shalt thou fold them up, and they shall all be changed. It'll be like a, a, a piece of clothing, like a sweater or a shirt or a garment that you have. And he, the Lord Jesus, at one time, will take this world And just as we fold our sweater after the day and put it on the shelf, our Lord Jesus will have the power to be able to do the same with this world and all of what mankind thinks is so great because his years fail not, because Christ is eternal. And as we read, loved ones, as the writer here, the Apostle Paul, is, is writing and explaining that, and he uses many of the scriptures that the Jews would have been familiar with 
to be able to prove to them that he was that, that, that he was, that the angels were made lower than him, and the order of creation, as we read, as, as the Apostle Paul, you know, wrote some of these rhetorical questions in this chapter to prove and to explain and to show that, 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 that Jesus is the Almighty and all powerful. But yet, when he write, goes into chapter 2, with the, the framework and the, the, the base in mind of who Jesus is, we read that we see Jesus in verse number 9 of chapter 2, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. For it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. As Christ is all-powerful, almighty, and full of glory, the only way that he would be able to express this completely to mankind was for him to come into this world, to take on flesh and blood, and to be made lower than the angels, be made, to, to, to be brought, to, to, to take on the nature of flesh, the nature of man, outside of that spiritual realm, so that he would be able to walk on this earth, to be able to bring many sons unto glory. As great and powerful as Jesus Christ is, as high and mighty he is, his mercy and his love and his grace caused him to come into this world, caused him to take on the nature of man so that we could experience his glory, and to take part in it. For it says, for he, both sanctify, for he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. The purpose of Jesus Christ coming to this world is so that you and I could be called brethren. Brethren to him, so that we could become sons and daughters of the living God. And, so all, and that all who would believe on his name, as we read in, in the Gospel of John, to, to him, them gave he the power to become the sons of God. And it is loved ones that he came to to not only through the, the scriptures of old to reveal God's, God's nature and his ways and, and, and his righteousness and his holiness and all the things about him, but it was so that he could come and experience and teach mankind in the flesh, in person, to walk 
with mankind, to walk, in a sense, with us, even though we are not living in the generation that he walked on this earth, but yet through time and as we see and as we read his accounts and as we understand of the words that he spoke, we see that he experienced the same things that you and I experience. And so he was able to, to sympathize with us. He was able, he is able to, to, to give us comfort and give us that strength when we are going through difficult times. And so, dear friend, outside of Jesus Christ, you too can also have this, this joy or this ability to be called a child of God. You also have this ability to be called brethren and to, be, and to, to receive glory, as it says here, to be, to be brought into glory and to be able to walk with him in newness of life. Because he came to live with man and also that through the faith in him that he would be able to provide power and grace, the power to be able to overcome those things in this life and to have victory in this world. Jesus came to this life, came to this world to be that example for us. He came into this world to, to teach us and to show us the truth, the way that God wants us to walk. And as he stated, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man can come to the Father but by him. And he realizes, even as the psalmist says, that, that he, he, knoweth our, he knoweth our frame. And he remembers that we are dust. He knew that we would not be able to, to walk in righteousness and holiness alone. But that only through walking with him and through his power, we would be able to be called the sons and the daughters of the living God. This is what the Apostle Paul was speaking to these believers here, where he wanted them to realize that, yes, God is all-righteous, all-powerful, all-glorious, almighty, but yet he's also merciful and he's loving, and he's forgiving. And he realizes that man will make mistakes. He realizes that man wants to go their own way. He realizes that there are times where, where we will be tempted, and we will be tried. But God well, Jesus Christ will walk with us to be able to lead us and guide us and give us that strength and that hope 
to be able to be his children and to walk with him as brethren. And so, dear brothers and sisters and friends, the Apostle Paul gave the instruction that we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. How much are we desiring to walk with him, dear brothers and sisters? How much, if we realize how much Christ has done for us, where he came to this world and he left everything for us, for us to have the opportunity to be called his child and to walk with us through thick and thin, through the difficulties in life, to encourage us, to comfort us, how much are we placing our priorities and our lives into serving him and loving him and walking in his ways and following the commandments and, and, and being obedient to that which he has spoken to us. If we would realize the amount of love that Christ had for us, that Christ has for us, it will just want us to love him more and to do more of the work that he desires for us to do. God is good. He wants to provide for all that we need. And he, he desires to provide for those who are outside of his fold, that they would have the opportunity to realize that power can be given to them to be able to serve him and to be able to walk with him to have their sins forgiven, to, to be able to walk free from guilt, to walk, to walk free from the bondage of sin that one might be in, and to receive a new life. And he also wants, dear, dear loved ones, to, to help us as his children to grow in Christ, to be able to be more and more like him, so that we could reach, as even as the Apostle Paul speaks, I believe it's in Ephesians, where he says that we could reach the, to the measure and the stature of the fullness of Jesus Christ. A hymn that comes is hymn number, a song that we, we sing many times, 205, the second verse. Causes us to think of Jesus Christ and what he did for us and how he lived and how he came for us. Where he says, Lord, where the songwriter says, Lord, how could I have it better than with thee to run life's race? Who hast made of me a debtor by thy countless gifts of grace? Where could more content be given than Lord Jesus Christ with thee? Unto whom in earth and heaven Power belongs in majesty. Where is there a Lord so gracious who would do as thou hast done, who with thine own blood so precious for my sins didst atone? Ought I not be faithful to him who for me his life thus gave? In deep love give honor to him and be true till death 
and grave. How could anyone in this life have it better than to walk with the Lord, the one who created all things, the one who is eternal, the one who is all-powerful, but yet who humbled himself with the desire and the love to walk with you and me so that we could be able to share that glory that the Father can give so that we would be able to one day take part in that glory in that eternal home that the Lord prepares for his children. May God bless his word to our hearts. Thank you once again, Brother Brian, for reminding us of uh, God's plan for each one of us. I love the book of Hebrews. It seems perhaps a little bit archaic and confusing if you don't understand the language, but let me just sketch the general arc of what Brother Brian covered for us. As humans, we have a problem. There's something inherently wrong with us. We sense that we are both noble and yet uh, uh, corrupt at the same time. That in, the, in, in humanity in general and in ourselves in particular, we see both things that we are pleased with and things that we despise. And we also find that we're unable to do anything about that. This time of year is one of New Year's resolutions. Why? You think one decision would be enough. You'd stick with it, you'd do it, things would change. Why do we find ourselves falling into self-destructive habits? Why is it that with all of our learning, all of the benefit of the hindsight of history, humanity is still so cruel to itself? Why is there still such senseless bloodshed in this world and poverty and pain? Why do people do wrong to us and why do we wrong others as well? It's a problem. It's something that every religion tries to grapple with and philosophers have thought long and hard over. But God gives us the answer. He lays it out simply. He is the one fixed point in all of this, the point of reference for everything else. And when we realize that man, mankind, was created noble, good, and, and perfect, meant to dwell in the, in the presence of a loving God, but through his own choice and disobedience chose instead a path of self-destruction, then it all makes sense. Then we can understand the patterns that we see in humanity in general and in ourselves in particular. And then we also understand that we have need of outside help. That we can't just pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, to use a phrase from, oh, a couple generations now. I think you younger people have no idea what that means. Boots used to have straps on them, two little poke, two holes for your fingers because they were made out of leather. And in order to pull them on, there was no elastic gussets at the side. It was leather. You had to really tug to get them on your feet. And as you're lying down on the ground, if you were to grab your bootstraps and try to pull yourself up by them, that's an impossibility. I like metaphors, but we sometimes use them without even thinking what they mean. It's an impossibility for you to pull yourselves up on your own. And so we need a hero. Someone who represents us, someone like us, to overcome and grant us freedom. How many times has that trope been repeated by Hollywood? It's because it's a universal truth. 
We need deliverance, and we look to a Savior, one who can stand in our place and do what we could not do, selflessly, out of love for us, even sacrificing themselves in the process. And so it was. There was one, as Brother Brian told us, who came down, who assumed flesh and blood. And though he was God walking with man, he did not have any special uh, benefits that we cannot enjoy. The truth of his power was full submission to his Father, who was that reference point, the one from whom all goodness and love flows. He was simply fully and completely open to it, God living among men. And so he now is our champion, the one who sits on the right hand of the Father interceding for us. And through his death and resurrection, we now find new ability, things we could not do before. A transformational experience that frees us from past patterns that were destroying ourselves. There's that one phrase in there that we read together. It says this, this creation is like a garment that's waxing old. Old English, perhaps. But I think you'll be able to relate to it if I talk about it in a little bit more modern terms. You buy something new, a piece of clothing. Everything is crisp. I still remember back in, when I was a kid, really expensive running shoes pulled from the box for the first time, immaculate, perfect. And they were expensive. Some of those old running shoes are still really expensive. People collect them nowadays, but to try to keep them perfect. And as time went by, there'd get scuffs on them and dirt on them. And no matter how hard you tried to keep them in good shape, they were in contact with the ground. They got old. The crispness came off. They got worn, stained, damaged. We see that in ourselves, don't we? I've had the opportunity to go to a number of graduations for my kids through different stages of education, and everything is brightness and optimism for the future. And here I am on the other side, perhaps, of middle age, looking back and going, there's a lot of naivety there. <laughs> you know, when, they, when they, they ask these kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I'm thinking, <laughs> they can't all be doctors, lawyers, and rich. There ain't that many of them. we realize that things wax old and wear out and there's disappointments that come. And we see it in creation as well. Going through a museum of natural history, you see species that are extinct because of the greed and carelessness of men. You think, wow, those animals will never walk this earth again. God didn't mean for that species to be snuffed out. We abuse this creation that we've been given. We get a sense, too, that things are kind of getting worn down scary viruses that could pop up and destroy half of humanity. And there's something inside of us that says it's not meant to be like this. I think this is why we get so excited by men and women that give us a vision of a better future. We realize something's wrong. And we realize, we hope, that one day it will all be set right. That's a universal I think expectation that one day the wrongs will be righted and everything that is, 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 is uh, evil and wicked will be taken away. And the good news is, it will. But we need to be on the proper side of that. 
to be tainted, to be tainted with sin, to not have that Savior be our personal Savior, is to invite destruction with the rest of the wicked. Everyone expects that the wicked will be punished. They just don't think they'll be in that group. We need the objective reality, and that's what we've received this afternoon. We need God's vision of things. He is the only fixed point. And at one point, at point, uh, at the end of my life, I hope to step off this carousel and find the firm ground of the eternal resting place that God has prepared for all of us. You can read about it later on in Hebrews too. There comes a point where we can step off of this merry-go-round that grows more tiring as the years go by and find that rest and peace that we're longing for in the heart of the Father who loved us in the very first place. May God bless the words that we've heard this afternoon. Let's carry this perspective that we've received into the week ahead. And remember that one day God will indeed set all things right, but we need to be right with him. May the Lord bless this word that we've heard and dismiss us now with his blessing. You're welcome to join us for uh, dinner in uh, about an hour or two, and uh, then area sing, of course, tonight in Richmond Hill. Amen.